Yes, I like the pulpit. There you go. Uh, Here, read with me. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him, so that he got onto a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew and choked them. Other seed fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Thank you, Pastor Mark. Uh, Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your word. Uh, You have revealed yourself to us, and so our prayer this morning is that we would hear your word well, that it would sink deeply into our hearts, and that we would put it into practice in our lives. And we need your guidance for that to happen, the work of your Holy Spirit in our hearts and minds. So we entrust ourselves to you. We thank you for the life of Rick Wilson. He was a man who loved your word and allowed it to sink deeply into his life, and he lived it out. So we thank you, Lord, for our brother who is now with you, who had his eyes set on heaven, being with you forever. And so we thank you, Jesus. And we pray for his family. We pray for Trina, his wife, for Hannah and Brett, his children, for family, for all who mourn his passing. Lord, may they know your comfort. You are the God of comfort. May the peace of your spirit rest on them. Strengthen them. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So we are in Matthew chapter 13, as the passage that Pastor Mark just read. And, you know, there's a question that we often ask in our time. I imagine this question is asked in almost any period of history, but what's going on? So we look at the, you know, realignment of global powers and increasing surveillance and government messaging and rising inflation and rising food prices. We could go on and on, and it's so easy to ask that question, what is going on? It's a good question. But there's an even more important question to ask. The more important question addressed by our passage today is, What's going on in your heart and my heart today? It's good to ask that question, what's going on in the world? But what's actually going on in your heart and my heart today? And are we ready to receive the treasure that God has for us? Matthew chapter 13, verse 1. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the the sea. That same day, Jesus leaves the crowded house in Capernaum and heads for the lake, the Sea of Galilee, sits down on the shore. Is there anything more relaxing than watching the waves roll in? What had happened on that day? Well, at the beginning of Matthew chapter 12, we read that Jesus expels a demon from a man who is blind and mute. And the reaction of the most respected religious authorities is that Jesus has done that by the power of Satan. 
At the end of chapter 12, Pastor Vin talked about this passage last week, and at the end of chapter 12, Jesus' mother and his brothers, they come to him, and they're concerned, even ashamed of him. What's going on? You can imagine what's going through the minds of Jesus' disciples. We, we love to sit at Jesus' feet. We find his words so life-giving. And look at the signs and wonders, what's happening through him. And if he is the Messiah, why do the most respected religious authorities resist him? Why does his own family ask questions about him? And if Jesus is the Messiah, why do Roman rulers continue to threaten us? Why, why is hunger and, and disease and death still part of our daily experience? What's going on? What's going on? To help his disciples understand what's going on, Jesus tells a series of parables. And the first one is often called the parable of the sower. It's actually the parable about four kinds of soil. Let's go to verse 2. And great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach. So because of this large encroaching crowd, Jesus gets into a boat, removes himself a bit, and sits down. Sitting down, that was the normal posture for a teacher or a preacher in the ancient world. So why don't I sit down for a while and all of you stand up? Why don't you stand for the next 35 minutes? No, <laughs> that would be fun. So many believe that Jesus taught this parable or this, this series of parables from a boat in a cove called the Cove of the Parables. This is a cove about, let's look at it, about one and a half kilometers from Capernaum. So you can imagine Jesus sitting on the beach initially, and then he gets into a boat, removes himself a bit, and the crowd gathers on the shores. It's this naturally horse-shaped amphitheater. And scientists have studied it a bit, and his voice from the boat would have carried for at least 100 meters, maybe more. And so the people can hear him speaking from the boat. From the boat, he tells this parable. And it's a concrete analogy. It, it will reveal truth to some and, and hide truth from others. Jesus tells parables so that his disciples will hear the secrets of the kingdom. But at the same time, truth is being veiled from those who consider themselves to be wise, understanding. The parable is about four soils, as I said. There's a sower who goes out with plenty of seed, but there's hard soil, there's rocky ground, there's thorny ground, and there's good soil. Four different responses. He ends the parable with these words. He who has ears, let him hear. But Jesus wants us to understand. It could be translated, listen to what it means. Let it sink in. It's a real privilege to hear Jesus' words today. We read the words that he spoke. And the listening that counts, it digests the meaning, allows it to sink in, and then puts it into practice. 
Listen to Jesus' explanation. This is in Matthew chapter 13, verse 18. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the words of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the hard path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields. In one case, a hundredfold, in another, sixty, and in another, thirty. The sower on that day is Jesus. In the future, it will be his disciples. Today, it's us. And what is the most precious seed? The most precious seed is the word of the kingdom. When Luke narrates this parable, he says, it is the word of God. The most precious seed that Jesus has and the most precious seed that we carry today is the word of God. Let that sink in. The most precious seed is the Word of God. By His Word, God created the universe. By His Word, God has spoken to being this seeding, nurturing, growing, bearing fruit process. By His Word, He breathed it out. Through His Word, God transforms hearts. It's as we receive the Word of God that our hearts are transformed. Seeds. Let's talk about dandelion seeds for a minute. In the natural realm, all the dandelions are now gone, but they're going to reappear in May or June. Anybody worried about whether dandelions are coming back or not? They're coming back without anyone planting them. On almost every lawn, across the lower mainland, across Canada. So are dandelions native to this country? No. Some European probably brought the seed across, you know, the, be the seeds were at the bottom of the boot and carried them onto the ship all the way to Canada, and those seeds have done really well. They have spread across the country. So how does a dandelion reproduce? How does this happen? Where's the DNA? Well, the DNA is in the seed. It's in the seed. And the dandelion, it reproduces without pollination. One plant can do it on its own. And the seeds are carried by wind currents. I remember my parents just freaking out when we, as young boys, we'd hold these puffballs in our hand and just blow on these seeds. So much fun. Dandelions, they keep on reappearing because the DNA is in the seed. What causes the kingdom of God to grow? Well, the sowing of the seed of the kingdom, the Word of God. As we share the Word of God, 
the kingdom of God continues to grow. Jesus has the words of life, John chapter 6. And we get to speak forth those words in his name. As we receive the word, allow it to sink in, and then speak it forth, God transforms our hearts and the lives of others. Some of you may remember Billy Graham. Billy Graham was a great evangelist. Uh, as a young man, many of his friends were questioning the authority of the Word of God. And this is just a, a plug for the winter series after Christmas. We're going to be asking the question, does this Bible actually have authority for our lives? Why would we stake our lives on the Scriptures, the Bible? Why would we allow it to have authority over our lives in every area of life, our ethics, our future? Why? It's a really important question in our day because many are questioning the authority of the Bible. And that was true in Billy Graham's day as well. One day before God, he was in prayer, and he decided in his heart that he would put his faith in the Word of God and that he would speak it forth. And so, as he evangelized people, he would invariably be quoting Scripture. And as he quoted Scripture, he noticed that ever larger numbers of people were coming to faith in God. Speaking forth the Word of God is always an act of faith. We're believing that the word that we have received from God is true, that it's living and active, that it's God-breathed, and that as we speak it forth, the Spirit of God will be at work. Just as the Spirit of God was at work when Jesus spoke forth the word of God. The seed of the kingdom is the word of God, and it's always capable of producing fruit. Always. What changes is the condition of the soil. What changes is the condition of the soil. There are different responses to the Word of God because of the condition of people's hearts. And an important question for us this morning as we read the parable is, what's the condition of your heart? What's the condition of my heart? The condition of the soil of your heart, it really matters. The condition of the soil of your heart really matters. In Jesus' parable... As the sower scatters the seeds, some fall on hard ground, on the hard paths. In that time, there were hard paths around the fields, uh, hard beaten paths. And so as the sower sows seeds, some of the seed falls on the hard path. They're too hard to actually allow the seed to sink in. And the birds come and snatch the seeds away. In Jesus' audience, the religious leaders would have been, at least on that day, an example of a hard path. They're hearing Jesus say things, but they're not allowing his word to sink into their hearts. And because of their resistance, the enemy, the evil one, as Jesus says, is snatching the seed away. Our condo sits very strategically on the flight path of crows heading to Burnaby. We live in New Westminster. Hundreds of crows land on our building and on the surrounding buildings on their way to Burnaby. Just a nice stopover. Now, if there is food on our deck, do you think they find it? 
most definitely. If I'm barbecuing meat on our deck, it's a battle. <laughs> They're ready to grab any piece of meat. The food needs to enter our condo and be digested. The hardened path is someone who hears the Word of God but does not allow it to sink in, to enter. The good seed, the Word of God, stays on the deck of that person's life, as it were, and never enters the condo, the heart, and transforms that person's life. It's stubborn soil. Stubborn soil. I had the privilege of sharing the good news of Jesus with a German family in Brazil. And when I got to know them, many of the members of that family were participating in this New Age kind of esoteric movement. But they were hungry. And so as I and others shared the good seed, the, the Word of God with them, the mother came to faith, her three children came to faith, their spouses, the grandchildren came to faith. It was a beautiful thing. But the father, he was determined to be an agnostic. His wife continued to share the good news with him. His children, his grandchildren, I did, others did, generous sowing. He considered me to be his friend. We had an interesting relationship. He invited me to do his 25th wedding anniversary. Um, but one day he said to me, Ray, you have ruined my life. <laughs> my whole family's following Jesus. You've messed everything up. And he meant it. <laughs> Hard soil. Generous sowing in his life. And as far as we know, he never surrendered his life to Jesus. Why does Jesus sow good seed on hard soil? Why would he do that? Why would he speak to scribes and Pharisees, you know, as he walked the paths of Galilee? It's interesting when we look at nature, right, how generous God is in seed sowing. If you're here, you know, in spring and you see the seeds just flowing off of the poplars, uh, across Gilpin. It's really a remarkable thing. Incalculable number of seeds. You know that a, a puffball of a dandelion can produce 172 seeds? That's why my parents were freaking out. One plant, one dandelion plant can produce 2,000 seeds. Now, how many seeds actually fall in good soil, germinate, and grow? God is generous in his sowing. You see this in the spiritual realm, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Verse 10, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing. So God, he's got more than enough seeds. The problem is not God's storehouse. We don't need to worry about running out of seed. There's lots of seed in God's storehouse. Jesus didn't only speak to good soil. We don't always only speak to good soil. And let's remember this. Sometimes those hardened paths, that hard soil, becomes the best of soil. Think of the Apostle Paul. 
He was hard soil for a good season of his life, but he became very fertile soil by the grace of God. In Jesus' parable, as the farmer scatters seed, some of it falls on rocky ground, and in the land of Israel, the land is often rocky, and the soil is shallow. Quite often, there's limestone bedrock underneath, underneath that, you know, thin layer of soil. What happens when seed falls on shallow soil? Well, you know, when it starts to heat up, that seed, it sprouts, it germinates. A plant begins to grow. And initially, it looks like there's going to be a great crop. But because of the sunshine, the heat, very quickly that plant withers up because the soil is shallow. There's no depth of soil. The roots can't go down deep and draw on the water below the limestone bedrock. Shallow soil. Shallow soil symbolizes a person that receives the word of God with great joy, enthusiastically, and initially it appears that this person is all in, they're all about Jesus, but as soon as there's a bit of external pressure, some disappointment, some trouble, some resistance, they fall away. This kind of person is often seen during times of revival in the church or when the church is doing really well and, you know, people are drawn into the worship and into the preaching of the word and everything that's happening in the church, it's all so exciting. They're drawn in. But as soon as being a Christian is leaving them on the margins and there's some persecution and some tribulation, they fade away because the soil is shallow. There's no conviction. The roots have never gone deep. The farmer, in the parable, he continues to sow seeds, and some of it falls on thorny ground. Thorny ground. And here, the problem is not the amount of soil. It's not that the soil is shallow. There's plenty of soil, but there's just so much going on in the soil. So much competing for the nutrients of the soil and the sunshine. This person is attracted to Jesus. And the promises, the wonderful promises of the kingdom, but is unwilling to, to, to fully surrender to Jesus and his kingship. And so his heart or her heart remains cluttered by what Jesus calls the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches. What does Jesus mean by the cares of this world? Well, he's talking about the worries, the anxieties, the fears of this age. He's talking about all those things that can clutter our hearts, and we live in a very anxious world, right? We live in a world where we're not sure what's going to happen next. We live in a world where we don't know what the next day or even today will bring. And we're hearing so many different messages. There's so much competing for our attention. It's easy for us to be lured by the cares of this world. And sometimes these cares are legitimate things like a child that's struggling to learn or the health of our aging parents or our very real financial situation or the progress of our careers or the lack thereof. The cares of this world. And we're, when we're being threatened by these things, we're looking for something that will protect us, secure us, shield us. 
And that's why we're drawn to riches. Because money has this way of communicating to us that in some way it's going to offer us some independence, some security, some status, some enjoyment, life, the lure of riches. Now, that too proves to be an illusion because the more money you have, the more you need to worry about it. the more you need to be concerned about what you have and how to manage all of those things. Thorny ground, stress soil. Stress soil. People with stress soil are trying to manage all of these cares that are so much a part of their lives and somehow try to keep Jesus in the mix. But the reality is that there's too much going on in their hearts. Too many cares, too many worries, too many messages. The seeds never enter the heart and actually transform thinking, change values, calm emotions, provide their desired effect, what God intends to have happen in our hearts when we hear the word and allow it to truly sink in. If we don't allow the the Word of God to sink in deeply, we will never reach spiritual maturity. We will not bear fruit. Now, thankfully, as the farmer scatters soil, uh, sorry, scatters seed in the parable, some of it falls in good soil. And when it falls in good soil, it bears fruit, some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. In Genesis chapter 26, a hundredfold is considered to be the blessing of God. When I think about good soil today, I think about my brother, my friend Rick Wilson, who loved the Word of God and did allow it to sink deeply into his heart. And because it had entered his heart and formed the way that he thought and the decisions he made, his values in life, he was able to face ALS. It was, for me, unbelievable to walk with him and observe his sure hope in Jesus because the Word of God had truly entered his heart and changed him. He was good soil right to the end. And he's with Jesus to get to uh, forever. <laughs> We praise God for that. Luke 8.15 reads, As for that in the good soil, they are those who hearing the word hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. These are people that truly listen. They are those that Jesus refers to at the end of Matthew 12, uh, people that actually do the will of the Father. They're Jesus' true family. And because they're all in, there's an abundant harvest. They're good soil, soft soil. Now, every now and then, someone will ask the question, well, can you be soil number two or soil number three and still be saved? Is it possible to be rocky ground or thorny ground and still be saved? Well, Jesus would say that's the wrong question. Jesus never says that soil one, two, or three are good. He never affirms them. When Jesus talks about soil, he's always talking about soil bearing fruit. 
Look at what he says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 18. A healthy tree cannot bear fruit, bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Then Matthew 12, verse 33. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. So you really don't want to be soil one, two, or three. According to Jesus, they're never okay. They don't yield any fruit. And the fruit is there whenever someone is truly his disciple. So, can I be soil two or three and be saved? Jesus would say that's definitely the wrong question. You want to come out of the reading of this parable asking the question, how can I be good soil? How can I be a person that truly receives the word, grows in Jesus, and bears fruit? You may ask the question, well, what, what do we mean by fruit? Well, we can look at your personal life. There's fruit in your personal life. You receive the word. It changes the way that you see the world, the way that you think about things. It changes your values. You begin to react to life's challenges in a different way because the word of God has taken root in you. You're truly being formed into the image of Jesus. Your life is transformed. And because you're being transformed, you start to speak. There's, there's external fruit you speak forth the word of God. You do things that reflect God's heart. And so other people's lives are being touched, are being transformed. So there's fruit within and there's fruit around you. And Jesus says, if you're my follower, you'll bear good fruit. If there's no good fruit, we can't assume that the life of God abides within us. Only the fourth soil is called good. So we really want to be soil number four. Seed in soft soil, it produces an impact beyond our imagination. Seed in soft soil, it produces an impact beyond your imagination. I think it's important to remember a word of wisdom here. The point of the parable is not to compare how much fruit we're producing and how much they're producing how much I'm producing and that person is producing. The production of fruit, it depends on God, the gifts that he has graced our lives with, our circumstances. We cannot determine or measure how much fruit is being produced through our lives. Praise God for that. It depends on God. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. So on that day, on that day when Jesus sat down on the shores of Galilee, his disciples wanted to understand what was going on. And maybe you are sitting here today and you're asking yourself, what is going on? And I believe Jesus would say to you, us, to me, to you, that's a good question. But there's a more important question. What's going on in your heart What's going on in my heart? 
as the disciples listened to that parable, the primary application for them was, okay, not everybody is receiving Jesus well, and that's happening because there are actually four soils out there. There are different responses to Jesus. And that's going to be the way it is. And when we proclaim the word of God, the same thing will be true. There will be different soils, different responses, different heart conditions around us. Jesus spoke forth the word of God, and there were different responses because of hard hearts, because of the cares of the world, because of persecution, because of satanic opposition. What happened with Jesus will happen with us. Not everyone's going to receive the, the word of the kingdom with enthusiasm this Christmas season, but that doesn't mean we should shrink back. We continue to share the word of God with enthusiasm, with joy, because the seed is the word of the kingdom, and the DNA of the kingdom is in the seed, and we trust God to be at work because his word is living and active. So we trust God with a response. We trust God with a response. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 10. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. So the primary application of the parable is that there are four kinds of soil, four heart conditions. But then there's a secondary application as well. On any given day, our hearts can be hard rocky, thorny, or soft. And so the question, what's the condition of your heart today? What's the condition of my heart? What kind of soil are we today? Stubborn, shallow, stressed, soft? Our hearts can be like that hard-trodden path. <laughs> Our hearts become hard, because of sin in our lives, because of pride, bigotry, a judgmental spirit, sexual immorality, whatever sin is occupying our hearts, our hearts can become hard because sin resides within us. And when that is true, we need the grace of repentance. We need to humble ourselves before God. What often happens when sin resides in our hearts is that we start to question the Word of God and elevate our truth. And we experience increasing levels of self-deception as we go down the path of our, own, of our own truth. The hardness may be, be there because someone has really disappointed us, someone has taken advantage of us, Someone has disrespected us, and we just can't forgive. And when that is true, then we need to ask for prayer. Our soil, the soil of our heart, it needs care. And so again, we humble ourselves, and we ask for God's grace, His mercy over our hearts. Our hearts need to be tenderly proud. Just a crack in the pavement, and a flower can appear. Sometimes our hearts can be enthusiastic, but they're shallow. 
the Word of God touches our lives, but it's not really sinking in. And if that's true for us, then we need to sit in God's presence, read the Word, meditate on it, and really hear it and allow it to change us. We can be those people that are excited about what's going on, you know, at church, in the kingdom, whatever. But as soon as there's a bit of resistance, as soon as we find ourselves on the margins, as soon as we're being ridiculed, we shrink back. Why? Because the shell, the soil in our hearts is shallow. Our hearts can choke out the Word of God. I think, you know, as I was reflecting on this passage this week, as I was meditating on it, thinking about its application to my own life, I want to be that good soil every day. But some days, quite frankly, my soil is too stressed to hear well. Does that happen with you? You know, I'm concerned about my family. I've got grandkids to worry about. Concerned about my aging father, my aging mother-in-law. Concerned about the church family, concerned about the future of our country. So many things can occupy my heart. I need to stop and allow the Word of God to penetrate. And we're all being messaged in so many different ways. We need to put the smartphone down. Maybe throw it out your window. Get rid of it. But you know what I mean, you know? You just open it up and there's, oh, I'm being messaged through Instagram and Facebook and WhatsApp, and it just goes on and on. I can't even keep up with all the messages. And everything that's coming from every major media outlet, how do we process all of that? We have to stop, find space. It may look different for each one of us, but we have to stop and allow the Word of God to sink in, allow the Word of God to form the way that we see our day, the way that we see ourselves. Allow it to guide us. So easy to be carried by the cares of this world today. Sometimes we need something that shakes us, that unsettles us, so that we finally wake up. The good news is that our hearts can be good soil. <laughs> they really can. And we can be those people that allow the Word of God to sink in deeply. And if we do, we'll receive from the Lord perspective and peace. What so many are longing for, meaning, joy, hope. So may we allow the good word of God to penetrate deeply the soil of our hearts. May that be true for us. Amen? Amen. May we be people that carry the word of God and speak it forth with joy. As we transition to the Lord's Supper, I think it's a good moment to just stop and reflect a bit and ask the Lord, Lord, what's the condition of my heart today? What's the condition of my heart? Reveal that to me and help me, Lord, move forward. Let's pray.
Lord, I, I pray for myself this morning. I pray for each one seated here today. I pray for those watching us online. Lord, shine your light on our hearts. Sometimes it's hard for us to understand ourselves, and we need your help. And if, our, if the soil of our hearts is not soft, Lord, then minister to us by your Holy Spirit. Lord, if there are sins that we need to repent of, we're self-centered, we're judgmental, we're proud, we're looking down on others, we've been lured by sexual temptation, whatever it is, Lord, we ask for the cleansing work of your Holy Spirit today. You died, Jesus. You went to the cross. You died in our place so that we might be set free, so that we might have power to not sin, so that we might live for your glory. So, Lord, do your gracious work in our hearts today. If we're sitting here, Lord, and we're bitter because of what others have done to us or we think that you have disappointed us, Lord, forgive us. Soften our hearts. We ask for the grace to forgive. We ask, us, ask you to help us see not only ourselves, but others as you see them. We ask that we be renewed in our commitment to you. Thank you for your love for, for us, God. Thank you that your love doesn't fail. Thank you that you're faithful even when we're not. Thank, thank you that you're going to complete your work in us, that we can live according to that promise, and all oh, that fills us with such hope. And so, Lord, we ask for the gracious work of your Holy Spirit in our lives today. Soften us, renew us. As we come to your table, Lord, may we remember well all that you have done on our behalf. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, as Jesus walked toward his um, crucifixion and death, he, uh, he said these words, John chapter 12, verse 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. Jesus was that grain of wheat that died, rose to life, and bore much fruit.